0: Welcome to Hacking the Hustle. This is your host, Benjamin Sklar, and I'm really excited to have Michael Verbeen on the podcast today. What's up, Raven, Michael?
1: Raven, but it's all good. No one guessed that one.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks for the correction. Michael is the managing partner of Fortified Property Group, which is a commercial real estate investment and advisory firm based in Los Angeles and Bethesda, Maryland. And I'm excited to have him on the podcast to talk about what's going on in the commercial real estate market and hear his personal story of how he got in the business and what are some things that he sees going on right now that he can share with us. So we'll start it off. Michael, tell us a little bit about your, like, how did you get into this business?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm locking the door so I don't get any little visitors. Um, in my home office. So, uh, yeah. So how did, how did I get into this business? Um, so, um, when I was, uh, when I was a little kid, my grandfather, who was a dentist by trade, um, he, he, his, his side hustle was buying land and entitling and land and selling it to developers. And, you know, from the time, you know, I was as far back as I can remember, um, I was in a car on the weekends with my dad and my grandfather driving around looking at sites you know that he wanted to purchase, sites that he owned, um, sites that he had owned and entitled and sold and so when you know I grew up and had to make a decision about what I wanted to do with my life, it seemed like real estate was you know a natural selection for me mm-hmm. um, and so when I was in college, I, and my father by trade is a real estate attorney. And so I was always dialed in my entire life, you know, to, a to a fairly deep real estate network, his, his friends, his, his work colleagues, um, his, his clients. And, um, and my father started investing as a principal, you know, a couple decades ago. And so I was always, you know, Exposed to his phone calls, and he would talk to me about what he was doing. Um, So it became kind of second nature to me. At a certain point, I interned um, in you know summers in college, and when I um, when I got out of college, I I, you know I grew up in in Maryland, um, in a suburb of D.C., and I was working with my uncle for a company called the Mark Winkler Company that was that was later acquired by Duke Realty, and I was there for about a year. Um, and I was trying to make my way up to New York city and I had a family friend that, um, was, was close with Larry Silverstein. And my family friend said to me that he was going to try and get me a job with Larry. And, you know, he came back to me and he said to me, Larry doesn't hire anyone unless they've gone through the real estate program at NYU. And, um, you know, that was the first time I had heard about the program. Didn't know about it before and started looking into it and the next thing I knew you know that next fall I was up in New York starting classes there um so th- so so I I thank Larry Silverstein even though he doesn't know you know who the hell I am um for you know helping to launch you know my career in in the real estate investment business for sure for
0: those listening who don't know who larry is he is the real estate developer who built the freedom tower and and he's also a brooklyn law school alumnus fyi so proud of alma mater right there so was was the nyu program worth it
1: um you know i i'm going to parse my words carefully yes it, it was i mean look it's it's the type of experience where you have to get just as much or more out of the um, the you know outside of, of the classroom as you do inside the classroom because they they provide you with incredible access right they connect mm-hmm. you with you know real people in the industry they help you get jobs they you have access to tons of conferences networking events um, and so you you really have to take advantage of that mm-hmm. That's the meat and potatoes of our business, and you know, and there was also some great teachers. Um, so so I learned a lot, um, as well in the classroom. But it was, I mean, I have no regrets. It was, it was a great experience.
0: Right, that's good to know. Yeah. So a lot of my listeners are either in, uh, passive investors in real estate deals, either through syndications or through apps on their phone, or they're either brokers in the city and. I'm sure I I personally am interested as well as I know my friends are interested in starting a commercial real estate investment firm like you have. If you could go back to the months before you started, what information do you wish you
1: had known beforehand? That's a good question. I I would actually go back, you know, I would rewind years um, and I try not to have any regrets. The only regret I have is not doing what I did earlier, right? I mean, I had... I had the idea of wanting to go out on my own many years before I actually did it. And I even chased literally hundreds of deals on my own before I, I went out on my own, um, and you know it was because I was trying to keep one foot in the door, you know, at a job and one foot in the you know entrepreneurial door. Um, but it's it's kind of hard to do both uh, in our business. And, you know, even when you're doing a small deal, uh, they take on a life of their own and they can be just as much work as a larger deal. So I think, you know, you have to uh, if if you are we're all kind of in some way betting on ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can really come to terms with that concept and, you know, you're in a position where um, in terms of your your you know, your knowledge base and your skill set to make a bet on yourself you got to rip the bandaid off and you got to just do it. Um, our business is not rocket science. You know, at the end of the day, you, you, you just need a deal, right? Mm-hmm. That's a special sauce in our business. Everything else kind of comes together, including, you know, the, the equity. Um, I think that a lot of young guys I talk to who are interested in striking out on their own always come back to, I don't have the capital to put up contract deposits, I don't have the capital to do due diligence, uh, I don't have to sponsor equity. And I always say to those people, you're, you're, you're completely f- focused on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that component, the equity component is, you know, is, a, is a very important one, but if you have a good deal, the money will follow, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it may not be the cheapest capital, your first deal or your first few deals, or it may not be the most ideal structure. And you may be having to give up, you know, seemingly, you know, a chunk of your sponsor economics. Um, but you should never, in the beginning, you, sh- you should never be chasing the last dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really wanna be focused on, you know, getting into the game. Mm-hmm. Because, one, you know, it's, it's just, it's actually um, a pretty, you know, um interesting phenomenon once you get in the game the opportunities just start to arise like once you have done your deal and you can actually socialize it with people and tell people you know this is who i am and this is what i'm doing and this is what i'm focused on you know people will take you seriously and they'll start to show you opportunities and connect you with with people and so it's really just about you know finding that deal Mm
0: -hmm. it's really good advice
1: i I'm one of those people who also
0: worries about this capital sources and not having the track record. And, and so it's good to hear you, you express that point of, you just got to find the good deals, buying right, finding the, the opportunities out there and the things will follow.
1: Yeah, and, and, I think, and I would also say, you know, for those people listening who, who ultimately want to be on their own and they're not for what it's worth, that's they're my, my kids killing themselves each other out there, Um, um, you know, for people who just aren't there yet, but they want to get there, I I would, I would tell you, you know, the most linear approach would be to chart a path, right? So determine what you know today and and where you are today in in your career and, you know, where you want to go and fill in the gaps, right? Mm -hmm. What you need to know and what you need to do between now and then, Mm -hmm and then go chase that. Right. And, Cause again, our business isn't rocket science it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Right. So I,
0: I want to tackle that point. You can know so many things, but talk to me about the mindset. I, I know there's a lot of people like who, including myself, who want to get into commercial real estate, see the opportunity in regards to getting out of the rat race, financial freedom, all the things that Robert Kiyosaki preaches in his books and YouTube videos. So, but then when you go to LoopNet or Rhianomy and you spend an hour to a day looking for deals and you kind of give up because you don't find anything, what kind of mindset does someone need to have to constantly be persistent and, and think long term and trying to make something happen for
1: themselves? So, it's a really good question. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that need to happen and need to come together in order for the sun, moon, stars to align and for you to, you know, get that first deal, you know, in motion and underway. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, there's, there's, there's so many, I mean, what's great about our business um, is there's no defined, you know, approach, right. There's so many different ways to um, get into this business and um, the barriers to entry, are incredibly low, I would argue, but for having that entrepreneurial mindset, that's mm-hmm. what the differentiator for people, right? So, you know, you're so. For example, if you're a broker and you want to get into this business, you're, you know, you're a retail broker. Let's say you're likely going to, you know, start to comb through, you know, retail opportunities that you understand, right, and that are um, familiar to you. And you know you'd go about it that way, you know, trying mm-hmm. to you know identify an opportunity that you can understand, you know, someone who isn't necessarily directly in the game or um, they are, but you know you're a real estate attorney and you're just not you know tearing through deals every day and you need to know where to start. Mm-hmm. I would tell you that you know you need to develop strategic relationships. Like for for example, one one incredible. Um, strategic relationship to have in this business is leasing brokers, right? Leasing brokers probably are are one of the most disparaged players in our business. But like, I would argue that, you know, um, I mean, they they really hold two keys to the kingdom in our business. One is that they're making the market for our revenue streams as investors, right? because they're representing landlords and they're representing tenants. So they have data that no one else has on how decision-making is happening at the the landlord level and at the tenant level and the trends in the business, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that can really inform you to how to make um, strategic investment decisions, right? Um, By by aligning yourself with a leasing broker. The other key that they have is they arguably have the ear of the landlord more so than any other player in the business because Mm -hmm. you know, they're representing the landlord, you know, a landlord leasing rep is representing the landlord on leasing their property. So there's no one else in the business that's talking to the landlord more than the leasing broker, right? Not an Mm -hmm. investment broker. Um, and so, you know, it would behoove you to really align yourself with some leasing brokers that you, you know, that you trust, um, Mm -hmm that are, you know, in a per- in, in a perfect world, you know, similar age to you, you know, people that you're going to you're going to grow up with in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, make them part of your team. And and we've actually had tremendous success doing that um, and and having leasing brokers bringing us tons of opportunities that we've acquired and, you know, in exchange for them being like a strategic partner, um, in a certain sense, you know, we give them a piece of our promote. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and so, um, and, and, you know, you'd be surprised, but not a lot of guys in the business are willing to do that. Not a lot of guys want to give up their promote. Um, mm-hmm. but if you really boil it down, if it's the difference between having the opportunity to buy a deal versus not, um, you know, it's it makes all the sense in the world.
0: Right, that's really interesting. That's great advice. So I want to turn the page and change the topic and talk about what you're seeing in the market. What what are trends that you're seeing? What how has covid changed the commercial real estate industry from your point
1: of view? Um yeah, I mean, uh it's a really it's it's a really good question and one that I can attempt to answer and I think it's one that, you know, doesn't get, you know, a fair answer until we've obviously come out of this. Um but you know we're what we're seeing so we we're we're fairly diversified in terms of the property types that we own we own retail we own office we own flex we own industrial so we we we've we've been fortunate uh to be able to see it from a few different perspectives um as um the different landlord hats that we wear and I think that you know the we, we dealt, we've dealt with the same pain that every other landlord has, which is, um, you know, rent collections and dealing with lenders. Um, and it feels like we've gotten past um, the most challenging parts of those asset management efforts, um, hopefully. Um, but, you know, we're still left with a lot of tenants who are, are somewhat paralyzed with respect to, um, you know, forward planning. Um, And so it makes it very difficult to have discussions with tenants about renewals, um, about, you know, their current footprint and whether they're they're needing to downsize. Um, And, you know, it basically flows, you know, up to the landlord and and it, you know, leaves us a little challenged um, in our ability to plan. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we're having a lot of asset management challenges, knowing what direction, you know, the business plan is going um, and and the asset, you know, ultimately assets going and, you know, it's it's making us rethink, you know, our original pro forma and it's making us to rethink um, major decisions like uh, when we're gonna, you know, when we're gonna refinance and how we're gonna refinance and what kind of leverage levels we wanna take on at this point. so, and it also makes it pretty challenging to evaluate new opportunities, right? Because, you know, you now have an uncertain revenue stream at the property level because it's hard to, it's, it's hard to underwrite tenants. It's just, you know, you're really, um, there's it's a lot of guesswork in terms of who's, you know, who's gonna thrive, who's not, who's gonna survive. Um, and so, you know, evaluating new deals is is a little is a little bit challenging. Um, I would tell you that um, and you know I mean some of the other just kind of macro level trends that I think are are you know affecting the ability to evaluate both properties within your portfolio as well as new opportunities it's just all the you know all the um, changes the trends that are coming out of COVID right it's like changing there's there's ever changing consumer spending habits um, you know travel has changed um, I think that there's uh, i mean clearly there's you know shopping and 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 eating you know has changed, and who knows if this stuff is temporary or here to change or how it's going to evolve
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: as as the pandemic goes on so um There's a lot of that now on the on the New Deal side. I would tell you, you know, there's what what we've seen generally is there is the capital markets are are a little bit seized up right now, as everyone knows. Um, They've they've loosened up, but on the debt side, you know, there's a lot of lenders who are just sitting sitting it out right now. Mm -hmm. um, It's a combination of their they they are licking their wounds um, and and just you know managing their existing loan portfolios, as well as a lot of uncertainties surrounding, you know, various property types. Like for example, most lenders don't want to lend on hotels and retail right now. Um, we are seeing lenders being uh, fairly bullish on industrial. Um, and on the equity side, you know, there's some uh, equity uh, out there that's active. Um, there's also a lot of equity that's similar to to debt sitting on the sidelines because they're 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 waiting for what they call a price discovery they want to everyone's kind of looking and waiting for everyone else to jump right Mm -hmm. people want data they want to see trades they want to see comps um and they don't want to be the first to move um and i think that you know for us where we tend to thrive is um you know call it the middle market space which I would say is in, the um, you know, five to $30 million range, let's say, um, where you you know, the competition is a little whittled down in the sense that it tends to be too big for the mom and pop investors and too small for the institutional investors. So we're kind of left sitting across the table from, um, you know, smaller, you know, boutique investment guys like ourselves. And there's just, um, You know, most of our portfolio is is in D.C., Maryland and Virginia. And in those markets, there's there happens to not be a a ton of competition in that space. Um, Furthermore, during COVID, the competition is is, has kind of dried up and we find ourselves um, being the only ones at the table um, when we're chasing a deal in some cases. And so, you know. Our our thesis, and you can ask me in like three to five years how, how this plays out, but you know is that um, we've kind of we've seen this this movie before and, and when the capital markets seize up right and, and lenders don't want to lend and, and equity providers don't want to provide equity, um, there becomes a, a an inefficiency in pricing right, and so we kind of look at this now as a, as a window of opportunity to go in um, and and be bullish and buy you know as much as we can and um and so we've been pretty active um, in the industrial space um and so you know uh pre-covid and it wasn't just by design during covid because everyone knows i think it's safe to say everyone knows that that industrial has fared pretty well um during the pandemic and better than than most property types and so know um we've been fortunate we were kind of you know out there um in the industrial space pre-covid and we're just you know continuing um to work in that space and and specifically one we have a couple different strategy strategies in that space and one of but one of them is um buying uh institutional quality assets um that are sub-institutional in size so um you know it's they're too small for for the institutional investor to focus on um and with with the idea that we're going to roll up you know a portfolio of these and sell them in an institutional exit um so you know create an arbitrage opportunity for an institutional investor who wouldn't focus on them individually but as a portfolio they would so so yeah
0: amazing you just said a lot of good stuff in there i I, want to unpack that i'm curious what blind spots do you feel like you have five years from now, when you look back on your thesis, what do you feel like you could miss?
1: Um, hmm. That's, that, that's a really, really good question. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you don't know what you don't know. And, um, you know, I guess, um, you, you, you know, try to have no regrets. I think that I would probably look back and say, "You know, should have bought more
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's great
1: but, but, um, I, it's hard to it's hard to to pick off the the blind spot mm-hmm. uh, I heard someone say
0: last week that 2000 this this decade is the decade of multifamily.
1: What's your response to that i I'm, I'm not a multifamily guy um so I'll, I'll I'll take that person's word on it. Um, I think that you know multifamily has definitely proven to be you know a pretty strong asset.
0: Mm-hmm. If you wanted to be a multifamily guy, could you just get into it, or are there barriers to entry?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, there's barriers to entry in the sense that there's a lot of guys out there. In that space, who can do it much better than us? So there's got to be a good reason for us to want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: better in what way? Like their ability
1: to analyze the deal and yeah, a property. Yeah, just understanding the space. And again, like I, mm-hmm. I don't think anything in our business is rocket science. So sure, we could we could get up to speed on it. And we're involved in 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 some multifamily deals from a co-investment standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. But we just don't own, we don't own operate and operate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I think it's you, you know, once you have the infrastructure to you know execute on transactions, sure, you can go into um, uh, you can you can kind of transition into other asset classes, mm-hmm. but I don't think um, is that. Oh, uh... no, we're good. Oh, we're good. Okay. All
0: right. So before I let you go, I want to do a a quick fire round q and a where i throw questions at you and you throw me back yes and no quick responses okay what if you had to choose one city to invest in what city would you choose
1: oh uh, man that's that's a tough one cuz we're 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 pretty uh all in on on dc maryland virginia area so i i'm, I'm going to go with that one i respect I mean, that do you
0: Need to have a real estate salesperson license to get into commercial real estate.
1: I I don't have one, so I'm going to go with no. Nice. Okay. Do you
0: need to be good at Excel and, or can you have your partner be good at it and you're the, uh, you're the other, you have other roles in the business. Uh, I
1: I have a, I have a partner who tries to stay out of Excel as much as much as possible. So you can definitely Mm -hmm. have, you know, Partner or partners with complementary skill sets.
0: Okay. Do you need to pay for a software platform to analyze deals and find opportunities? I
1: think you can get by just fine with Excel.
0: I mean, like, I'm talking about like LoopNet or oh, okay. uh, like that kind of software platform?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: You, you would just, you could, you would recommend LoopNet and you're good to go for anyone listening right now who says, all right, I'm gonna start trying to get in the, into the business.
1: Yeah, wrong, wrong place to start spending money, I think.
0: Okay. What asset class would you recommend a rookie investor could try and get into? Uh,
1: I think a, a, a pretty uh, easy and bread and butter type of, of, of property to own and operate would be, would be like a flex property, which is, you know, it's a single story, um, you know, kind of office warehouse combination where like, you know, you pull up, to the front that the door is there. You walk in like the first third of it is built out office space. The back two thirds is, you know, open warehouse and it's some, you know, it's tenants who need combination. It's an easy asset class, low rent stays, you know, in the right, you know, in the right lo- location stays. It happens to be the like cheapest rent alternative in town. So it stays pretty well leased. All right. Good to know. All right. So
0: last question, not business related. If there was one thing you could do,
1: to improve this world, what would you do? Oh man, Um, what would I do? Uh, You know, I can't help but think about how polarized, you know, the world is today. Mm -hmm. Not just domestically, uh, but globally, Um, you know, on every level. Right, like religious, ethnic, uh, cultural, social, political, everything, right? Um, right. And so, um, and, you know, I have three young kids and, and constantly I'm and, and thinking about, you know, the world we live in and, and raising them in this world. And so, you know, if there was something that could do to kind of break down barriers and, you know, um, find a way to better understand Each other and respect each other and kind of get rid of you know a lot of the hatred and the the oppression and violence um, in this world Um, I think that's where I would you know want to focus my time
0: really good I really like your answer I couldn't agree more so where can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch
1: Uh, Michael at fortifiedproperty.com happy to happy to talk to anyone amazing Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. It's
0: great to have you on the show and, it was
1: great. and
0: uh, yeah. appreciate it. All right. Take care.
1: All the best. See you, Michael. Hey,
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Michael Raven. I thought it was a great episode if you're trying to learn about commercial real estate. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe.